Hello, everybody, and welcome to Geeks Can't, the home of RPG goodness and general tomfoolery. My name is Zach, and the host joining me this evening is the Mayor of Fort Wayne, Troy, Sa- Troy Sandlin. Holla! That was awful. Uh, I apologize. Um, we've also got a guest with us, Nick. How you doing? Hey, guys. Uh, I'm a little nervous because I feel like I'm in the presence of gods. Uh, when oh, I listen no. to your podcast, I don't know half of what you guys are talking about, and you're just such experts in the field. I'm like, oh, no. you, that, I, I'm just you, hoping I can keep up today. You're going to fit right in because we don't know half the shit we're talking about either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great then. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, thanks for coming on, Nick. Nick, um, you and I have known each other now. How, has it been about a year now that we've kind of chatted back and forth? It was uh, it was at Origins where we met. Uh, so I guess that was June twenty twenty two. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> yeah. So almost a year, but gosh, um, what a year! <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, you were at Origins. Let's see, you were at mm-hmm. Origins. You had a booth full of games. Um, yeah. You had the beginnings of your ready play game series. And then you had Mm -hmm. your Goracle deck and your Eros Tarot and Mm. several other things. Who the heck are you? Like that's, (laughs) that's maybe the question to start off with. So I, I, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, uh, I do all my art and products under the name chain assembly. And as far as what that actually means, uh, basically if I think something's kind of, if I have a good idea, no matter what it is, I'm going to, try and figure out how to get that mass produced in China, figure out how to get that um, successfully funded on Kickstarter and then start selling it. So usually most of my sales are through Kickstarter stuff and that's how what really helps build my brand. But then I also do a lot of local markets around St. Pete and sell things, uh, St. Pete, Florida, where I live. And then I also sell things online. So uh, generally as a business, it's not a smart plan. Uh, because I've got tarot decks, I've got coloring books, I've got enamel pins, I've got prints, I've got uh, role-playing games, board games. I'm kind of all over the place uh, thematically. But the other day I was like kind of trying to think about what the future of my business will be. And I realized that I've kind of been following in the footsteps of Mondo Publishing inadvertently. Mm. You know, where, again, it's just a whole bunch of disparate things that all they really have in common is fun illustration. And mm-hmm. so, like, if, if I introduce myself to someone, I always describe myself as an illustrator, primarily. Nice. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> that's accurate. I think you had the most fascinating booth at Origins <laughs> last year. Like, Thanks. Um, I remember, like, going around, going to the different booths with our different crew members, and then, like... Uh, when I circled back to the to our booth, I'd be like, "You guys need to check out this weird table <laughs> down the way. They've got like the I've never seen some of these games before. Just the widest variety, like you said, the widest variety, mm-hmm. bizarre stuff, but all look super cool. I know one of our guys, uh, Shadow Zach, walked mm-hmm. over and saw your Goracle and was instantly in love. Your your gore themed <laughs> Oracle deck, um, yeah, it had like this like like metal lock or metal latch on or magnet latch on the box yeah. and it flipped open. Yeah. It's just the weirdest, <laughs> grossest, most beautiful thing ever. So, yeah. Um, so that the, the reason I came up with that was when the, when the pandemic started, I wanted to start a big project so that I wouldn't have nothing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I figured, all right, now's the time to make my own tarot deck, 78 original illustrations all from scratch. Uh, and that did super well on Kickstarter. So I followed that up. That was an erotic tarot deck. 
So I tried to follow it up by doing the exact opposite because every project I do is a completely different style. So I wanted to do a gory Oracle deck. <laughs> it just made sense. And I came up with the name Goracle. Um, and then I kind of used like all my board gaming know-how to overdevelop it. So I had 54 cards numbered zero through 49 and five of them have icons instead of numbers. And they're used to help clarify who the target of cards around them are. So like if you draw the blood, the icon's a little blood symbol. That means the next card you draw is referencing someone with whom you're a blood relative. If you draw the blood inverted, it means the previous one is someone with whom you're a blood relative. And then I also have some cards that change the locations of cards, uh, cards that will increase or decrease the effects of cards, some cards to invert. Uh, and then I had I designed with it a, a metal coin you can use to charge the deck and a six-sided die that also has those same icons. If you want to do a single card draw, you can roll that die to help clarify who that card is describing. And it was super fun, but again, overly designed, but I'm still very <laughs> proud of it. I love it. Um, Chad is already like uh, uh, going nuts over not just what we've been talking about, but also your room. What's behind you there, Nick, with the <laughs> with the frisbees and the banjo? Like uh, they are fascinated. So, oh, yeah, uh, this just haunts me because I learned one song like five years ago and have not touched it since. And uh, so <laughs> the reason why my company is called Chain Assembly is that's what you refer to the top part of a disc golf basket, and I'm the main art guy for all tournaments and events disc golf related in florida so yeah i compete in a lot of tournaments and that's kind of my my leftover stack there and that's my uh board game shelf with a couple skulls popping out of it so so what was the song uh, it was um uh babylon by don mclean okay that's awesome yeah. that's lovely <laughs> not the first song i would have chosen for, no that's uh... the first song i expected no yeah no, <laughs> Awesome. Okay, so so last year we did um, on Kickstarter uh, after Origins. You know, you and I stayed in touch. Um, I actually attended the other part of the Origins that was cool was uh, I got to attend uh, your panel there, which was just you talking about Kickstarters, right? And yeah. I actually still have. I was looking at it the other day. Still have that that uh, printout, follow along printout that you you gave to us then. So. Um, yeah. That was cool. I was like, oh, there's another guy that loves Kickstarter and and and, and is working to figure it out just like me. Um, so we stayed in touch. And then, you know, lo and behold, we uh, we got to work together on your first project. Um, uh, or I should say your first project, but the first project with us uh, called Pocket Sized RPGs by Ready Player Games. Um, that was last Zine Quest, right? Mm -hmm. And then we're back this year for more, right? Um what the heck? But we're gonna we're gonna transition and let the uh, the crew the live stream see what we're talking about here. But as we do so, do you mind kind of going into a little bit about your inspiration for the idea of a pocket sized RPG? Sure. So, um, uh, my role playing game experience, uh, my role playing experience was D and D three point five fourth edition, um, and um, <clears throat> all flesh must be eaten. And then that's kind of about it. Uh, then I went to Origins for the first time when they did the little miniature one, October of 2021. And I was there by myself. So I was just signing up for random ass events. And I saw something called Happy Birthday Tess. And I'm like, hey, that seems like a fun way to meet people, crash a birthday party. Uh, and it turned out to be an amazing role-playing game uh, that was designed by Gail Clendenin, who ended up writing one of the games in my series. Um, but the way her game worked was so cool. 
it was just like five strangers around a table and we were all taking uh, control of a different part of someone's personality, someone named Tess. And this is her 30th birthday. She just goes to her favorite bar right after work and we have to decide what she's doing for the rest of the evening. So I was in charge of her inhibitions. Another person was in charge of her shame. Third person was in charge of her um, depression. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was like different. It's kind of like inside out, but way more adult and, <laughs> and emotional. Cool. And like every now and then, uh, Gail would just throw out a little paper with a paragraph on it that is a random memory that Tess had of an earlier birthday. So with this little bit of information that keeps being like um, breadcrumb to us, we learned more about the character that we were controlling. And like we became so protective of her psyche uh, that like we would like... Um, we would flirt with some people, but not others. We'd call certain friends on our phones and not others. It was really fun. And so that just blew my mind that I had ne I'd never played a role-playing game. Um, well, I guess aside from, um, um, I forgot one. There was uh, uh, Adventures of Baron Munchausen role-playing game, um, which, which is also incredibly minimal. It's just like, it's, I guess you'd call it like a 19th century parlor game. It's really just conversational. Um, and that's what I loved about Gail's project. You didn't need pencils, papers, character sheets, dice. It was all just conversational. And so I loved the idea of coming up with something that is minimal in size, that is going to be very friendly to people who are not role players, maybe just people who are comfortable focusing on a single character and acting out that character, a little more improv, a little more beginner friendly, less intense. And um, so I just gave myself a parameter of... Um, 18 cards or less. And that is the whole role-playing game scenario. Uh, and then I just started coming up with crazy ideas that all fit in that scenario. And so I wrote 11 of them last year. They started off super role-play and then they ended up moving more towards kind of like card games. Because in my mind, as long as it's 18 cards or less, it fits in the parameter I set for myself. Mm -hmm. So I did all the illustration, all the writing, all the graphic design, except for Gail who wrote one of them. And um, I also kind of pictured them going in vending machines because there's lots of uh, uh, art vending machines in the city where I live. So I got uh, some of those put in theirs there too. And, you know, they sold decently. Uh, but originally I had the project as a Patreon and it was a total failure. I was still creating these games every month. I had one Patreon backer for like three months and then they dropped. Uh, and then, but I had a few of them printed from uh, the Game Crafter and that's where Zach saw them at my booth. And they were selling like crazy at um, at uh, <laughs> Origins. So I'm like, okay, so I know this is a real viable product that people are interested in, but they're not going to be interested in it as a PDF. They're only going to be interested in it as a deck of cards. And uh, so that's when I learned about the term zine. Because <laughs> Zach was telling me about zine quest. He's like, this would be great for zine quest. And we did our first, uh, the first three of them, um, reprinted through Zine Quest, and now uh, the next, the current Kickstarter project is the next uh, three games, in addition to having the original three available, and then two extra ones available as print and plays if you back at certain levels. So eight games total available in this current Kickstarter. Heck yeah! What I like about it, and you touched on it already. Um, what I love is that they are wildly different from one <laughs> to another to another, like. Yeah you would it's not like i mean 
it's not like, oh, we have a fantasy series and these are all fantasy RPGs and yada yada. It's like every one that you turn to has like a different point in time or a different genre. Like I know in this one you have a ghost story RPG, you have the superhero um, RPG, and you have the um, uh, 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 um, 16th century Inri, right? Um, but then if you go, if you walk backwards, right. And we talk about the ones that you, that you, that we funded last time, you also have one set in like the Louisiana Delta. We have (laughs) urchins, which is like 1880s Paris. And then, um, 15 minutes of fame, which is like this New York uh, in what era, what era was that one? So that's actually the first one I designed, um, 15 Mm -hmm. minutes of fame. And what kind of came up with that was at the time I was reading, um, uh, Please Kill Me, or I just finished reading Please Kill Me, which is the um, uh, vocal uh, oral, I forget the, yeah, oral history of the punk scene in New York City. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'd also finished reading a book on like the history of uh, British uh, goth music. And um, it was, I was doing lots of reading about like New York in the 60s. And uh, I also had just seen uh, One Night in Miami, that movie that is like a hypothetical evening of like these great black leaders all spending one night in Miami. So I said, mm. okay, I can do that same thing. I will just give each player cards that define who their character is. And this will be a historical fiction in New York City in the 60s. And then another card that defines what their inventory is. And the GM, meanwhile, has cards that define the locations, which NPCs they can find in those locations. Another card with more NPCs that describe different random locations they can be at and a series of um, events that can happen throughout the evening. So I kind of just put this whole thing as like a a deck of ingredients and it's up to the players to define where the story is going. And the GM is just ushering it along with the ingredients they have in their uh, disposal. So, yeah, one of the characters is Andy Warhol. One of the characters is Nico. We have John Cage. And the final one is the Boston Strangler. So just kind of mixing nice. that up a little bit with fun. Do all of the games like come from like, like, so that came from just what you happen to be reading at the time. Where mm-hmm. does the inspiration come from, from game to game? Is it the same sort of thing? Uh, no, actually it's, it's, it's all kind of different. So um, Delta blues, the one that's Louisiana Bayou, that one's kind of inspired by, I was playing tainted grail, the board game a lot, which is a campaign oh, yeah. game. And in that one, all the cards form a map as they lay out to each other. I guess similar to Seventh Continent, too. So I said, Mm -hmm. I want to do that, but I have only 18 cards, so I'm going to make a haunted house. So I just had the idea of making the cards lay out into a haunted house, and then I just kind of reverse engineered uh, a curse that people have to break in order to escape the house. And then, uh, again, because I wanted to do completely different art styles on this one, I did uh, like watercolor portraiture of... Sorry, um, uh, oil, <laughs> oil portraiture of the characters and made it very like a sweaty 70s bayou thing. And I like the idea, too, of it being a mixed race couple that are both single parents and their children are meeting for the first time so that the kids don't necessarily get along. Uh, and they're kind of like only wanting to spend time with their parents. And that mm. I thought would be a fun dynamic to go into this horror set, set, setting. Um, Secret Identity Crisis, the superhero one, was inspired by Midnight Mass and my mom going to AA. So Mm. I loved the idea of um, (laughs) kind of setting like an AA, a Narcotics Anonymous type situation, but everyone is superheroes dealing with the emotional trauma of living dual lives. And Mm. I also thought it'd be fun scenario if like throughout playing the game, 
it's up to you to figure out if you're a good guy or a bad guy, a hero or villain. Uh, you don't know if the other people in the group are your sworn enemies because you're all here as your secret identities. So I thought that would be kind of a fun way to mix it up too. That's awesome. Like I love the the <laughs> wide variety of inspiration, of course. Um, but I also like like it's astounding to me that you designed eleven of these in a year. <laughs> I mean, I know they're only like sixteen card decks, but like even still, like like there's a lot of thought that goes into each one. And the fact that like it's completely different mechanics each time around, I think is really, really interesting. Um, I know some of the people in chat would get really excited. We've talked about midnight mass several times uh, on our show. And so hearing that you, you are inspired by that is obviously super exciting, but also that makes me want uh, secret identity crisis even more. Um, I, I loved the series, but my absolute favorite moments were just the, the priest and the main guy just having those conversations and in the AA setting. I just thought that was such wonderful drama. Yeah, those are super. Okay, well, we could talk. Let me let me wind back or I'm going to get down and deep into a midnight mass conversation. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, that oh, my gosh, that's super, super, super awesome. Um, so we talked a little bit about Secret Identity Crisis. We've talked about some of your earlier games. We've got a few more minutes here. So do you mind kind of talking to us about what people could expect with Tragedy and Four Acts and uh, yeah. Henry? So Tragedy and Four Acts, the idea I had was the GM plays two people who move into a house and they have cards that define what those people are going to be doing over the next four days. Uh, meanwhile, the players each play different ghosts haunting that house. So they have a card that defines what they look like and on the back, a little bit of memories they have from their life. Then another card that defines minor powers they could do at any point and major powers they can only do once per game. So it's up to them to try to interfere with these people who have moved into their home. And throughout the process of that, the players will eventually learn how they died. That one I decided to set in the 80s because uh, I wanted to make sure, obviously, no cell phones. Makes things a little mm -hmm. more exciting that way. And like moving to a small town in rural Virginia, again, just trying to mix it up. For that one, I used photos that I found from the Library of Congress, uh, and I just aged them down in Photoshop, um, since those are all public uh, public access, not public access, whatever, free free for use. Um, and then uh, Inri, uh, this one was inspired by the life of Hildegard de Bingham, um, who was a, uh, a, a mystic. Uh, she was a nun who wrote a lot of poems and uh, in in Germany, I think it was in the 1400s. Uh, and is also inspired by the film Benedetta by Paul Verhoeven, which came out a few years ago. But in this one, similar situation where the, but the players are nuns in a convent. They get visions from God and they have cards that define um, abilities that they have now, like small miracles they can perform. And then the GM has a, again, kind of like a schedule of what's going to happen to the monastery over the next few seasons. And uh, it's a lot of horrible things happening to them. And it's up to the players to try and use their abilities to try and make things a little bit better. But throughout the process of that, they end up catching the ire of the Spanish inquisition. <laughs> I am. Nobody, I, I'm, nobody expects the Spanish inquisition. <laughs> <laughs> I am so pleased every time I hear you talk about this, because it, it, I think that your fascination, your interest, your excitement for these different little like subsect topics mm -hmm. comes through um, when you talk about them. And I think they also come through with games, but like every time I hear you talk about a game, I'm like, ah, that, that, yeah, that's why that's awesome. <laughs> like, like Thanks. Nick, Nick, you do a good job of like capturing 
the excitement of, of something and, and your games do a good job of that too. So, um, well, we're right at right towards the end of the time here, Nick. Um, I'm going to tell everybody to go to three more pocket sized RPGs by ready play games. That Kickstarter is live right now. Um, as of the 18th, when we're recording it has 18 days left to go. Is there any other places that you would, uh, direct our listeners to Nick? Yeah, um, it, you could also just go to readyplay.games, and that will take you uh, to a page that describes the uh, <laughs> the games that are available, and then also has a link directly to the Kickstarter. But if you just search Kickstarter for Ready Play Games, it'll come up right at the top of the list. Um, but you can see all of my other projects and my other art and things that I make at chainassembly.com. Perfect. Excellent. Troy, anything on your end that we need to cover before we... Uh... I just wanted to say that, you know, uh, having, having these games at our booth, uh, the, the past year, people, people really are like, what is this? And they get really excited. And when you explain, it's like, yeah, you, when you drive home from the convention, you want to play a game while you're driving. Here you go. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah. They're great travel games. <laughs> yeah. The perfect awesome. travel games. Cause you, just, you got, you get the guy sitting in the back seat who's, who, gets to read everything and, and help the driver understand what's going on. And you can, you can play a game all the way home. Wow. That's a great idea. I got to start marketing that way. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> travel RPGs. Yeah, um, travel RPGs. Yeah. Uh, well, they're awesome. There's six of them. And if you get all six, you get the extra two um, live right now on Kickstarter. Uh, Nick, thanks again for coming on. Uh, and I can't wait to talk to you about your next project. Hopefully very, very soon. <laughs> Heck yeah. yeah. Thinking about April or May launch for that one. Nice. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I, you've already announced it on, 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 on different social media platforms, or at least hinted. Um, so you got a Morkborg <laughs> thing in the works. That's yeah. gorgeous. So <laughs> yeah. thanks. I wrote over 10,000 words for it. So it's big. <laughs> <laughs> and for an illustrator, especially folks, you should know that for an illustrator to write 10,000 words, they got to be inspired. So <laughs> It's funny because, like, I, I love doing both, but I, I can't do them interchangeably. Like, uh -huh. Monday will be writing day, and then Tuesday yes. will be illustration day. I cannot swap between the two. It gives me a headache. <laughs> that, that sounds familiar. So, all right. Well, Nick, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot so Thank much. You. And um, we're going to keep rolling into some more uh, interviews here in just a minute. We'll see you guys in a bit. See you in a little bit. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode and you want to continue the conversation with us, go ahead and head on over to our Discord. There's a link in the show notes, and you can always shoot us a message on Facebook to get a link there as well. Uh, while you're at it, if you wouldn't mind, give us a like on Facebook. Give us a subscription over here on your podcast feed. Uh, give us a review and some stars while you're at it. That would be awesome. That's the way we get in front of more people. And if you want to watch a live show, we're live almost every Sunday and Tuesday on Twitch and YouTube. And you can find links to all of that right there in the Discord. We'll see you next time.